0: It is good to be with you all on this sixth Sunday after Pentecost and a very special thanks to Kathy and Karen for assisting in our worship service today thank you from our revised common lectionary for today we find these verses from the Gospel of Matthew we are in the longest season of the church year that stretches from Pentecost until the first Sunday of Advent. It's a season in which we spend time on the stories and teachings of Jesus in order to understand better our own stories and the story of the church. Patrick, Nick, and I tend to follow the lectionary and I'm grateful for that because it gives us a sense of connection with Christians around the world. There's a good chance that other churches and other denominations are addressing the same verses of Scripture on any given Sunday morning. I also appreciate the fact that by following the lectionary, we are led to places we might not otherwise go. The lectionary always appoints a gospel lesson for each Sunday, and one of the reasons It's a three-year lectionary, so we can spend a full year on each of the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, with readings from John's Gospel sprinkled throughout the lectionary. This year is Matthew's year, and today's readings include one of the great comfort passages in the Bible. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30, and I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We hear this at funerals or memorial services, as well they should be. If you walk through the cemetery, you'll find it on tombstones, or maybe it's even stitched in needlepoint and hung in the living room. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. But what does it mean? Early in my career as a hospital chaplain, I remember going to the chapel on Sunday mornings to conduct worship services. My small congregation would come in one by one. A pediatric nurse wearing Winnie the Pooh scrubs. The teenage girls wearing oversized pajamas from the eating disorder program. A man from the psychiatric unit chaperoned by a sitter the parents of a son who was detoxing on the fourth floor, the custodian who just finished his shifts and was mourning the loss of his wife. Unaware of each other's struggles, all were carrying heavy burdens and brought them to our simple worship space, an organ that didn't always sound good, pews that creaked, and a podium made of wood with words carved on the front, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's a wonderful promise and I know our little congregation found comfort in those words. Many of us here find comfort in this promise from Jesus when our burdens seem impossible to bear. When we have tried to cope as best we know how but that was not enough it's a promise of hope from god who will take the heavy burdens we carry and replace it with something lighter this is what these verses mean to many of us today yet when jesus first spoke these words it meant something different the first thing we need to remember is that jesus did not tell the early disciples that if you follow me, all your problems will go away. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 7, Jesus said that the way is difficult, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. By the time we get to chapter 11, Jesus is teaching and preaching in Galilee, where some were not open to his teachings. This morning we pick up in verse 25 and we find Jesus turning to gratitude thanking the father for revealing the things of God to the infants the simple the little ones who do know God why did Jesus thank God for revealing the things of God to the infants Matthew is saying that this is God's will and if the simple receive and understand the things of God then no one can confuse human wisdom and understanding with divine revelation. Those who know God do so because God has chosen to be known. That takes off the table the idea that we can give ourselves credit for divine revelation. So, what about us? Are we interested in what Jesus is offering? Are we willing to embrace God's wisdom, or are we fixated on human wisdom and understanding? Are we learning the ways of Jesus and applying his teachings in our everyday lives? Or do we play childish games and make excuses in order to avoid responsibility and personal accountability? Jesus said that life is hard, the way is difficult, and yet we have this human tendency to try to figure things out on our own and ignore God's help. Even so, Jesus extends this gracious invitation to those who will listen. Come, come to me and I will give you rest. You who have heavy burdens, come to me and take my yoke upon you, and you will find rest for your souls." The childish games we play are fine for children, and important lessons are often learned in play. My very first paying job was to teach swimming lessons. I was 11 years old myself, teaching small children how to swim. Most of the kids I taught that first summer were three or four years old. We started by blowing bubbles in the water. Then we moved on to kicking our feet by holding on the side of the pool. Next, we combined them, kicking our feet and blowing bubbles. After that, we moved on to the superhero position. Okay, boys and girls, put your arms over your head and push off from the wall with your face in the water and kick your feet. I'll be right here about five feet away. And that's when things fell apart. I want mommy, I'm cold, I need a towel, I need to go to the bathroom, you're too far. One little boy was clever. Come to me, he said, come closer. I said, Joey, Joey, you have to come to me. You come to me, children, if you want to learn how to swim, you have to come to me. I'll be over here and I will catch you. I will not let you drown. What childish games do we play with Jesus? I want to follow you, Jesus, but I'm so busy. Have you seen my schedule? Lord, I'm way too old to serve. I'm just a kid. I'm not a good student. I like my life the way it is. I'm already stressed out, and I don't want to add one more thing. Or how about this? I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. Or, I decide not to do bad things, but then I do it anyway. Like Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7. We might say to ourselves, I've made a lot of mistakes, big mistakes. God could never forgive my sins. Or I'm just not good enough. Friends, what childish games do you play with Jesus? Why do we hesitate to let go of the wall? Jesus says, come, come to me, all. Jesus uses a word here big enough to include every type of sinner in the world, every type of heavy laden in the world. It's a big word. It's so inclusive that everyone who has ever lived fits inside of the all. The invitation Jesus brings is a worldwide invitation. It has no cultural limits, no national limits, or even sin limits. Jesus says, you come to me, all, all who are heavy laden. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to swim. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. And Jesus extends the invitation over and over again to all who are weary and burdened, to the worn out and pressed down, the needy, the lowly, the people who don't know what else to do or where else to go. Theologian Karl Barth insisted that God always stands on the side of the oppressed, the poor, the widow, and the orphan. And right here in our text, Jesus invites all people to come, saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I know that yoke and yoke sound very similar, but in our context, we are not talking about the yellow part of an egg. Here, the yoke can be used as a noun or a verb. The noun yoke refers to bondage, servitude, or something that binds or connects people, animals, ideas, or things. As a verb, yoke means to join together. In the National Geographic magazine, once in a while you find these amazing photos of yoking. There are single yokes and shared ones. The single yoke is placed across the shoulders and a person can carry buckets on each side. It's still heavy and you'll have to sit down, but you can carry heavier loads by using a yoke. A shared yoke is more efficient and effective It requires two people or two animals, a well-matched pair who can work together. They can take turns bearing the brunt of the load. They have company in carrying heavy loads. And if both are carrying the load, they may be tired but not exhausted because they are a team. In verse 29, Jesus is extending an invitation to yoke. He says, get in the yoke with me. Learn from me. I'll bear the weight of your burden. Friends, we do not have to do it alone. Some have the illusion that the abundant life requires us to do good deeds, to do the right things, to say the right words. We have a lot of rules we keep for ourselves and others, don't we? But the problem with our rules is that we keep making and breaking them. And at the end of the day, we are still not enough. The yoke we receive from Jesus is not like the yoke of the world, or in that day, the yoke of the Pharisees who demanded strict obedience to the law. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All you have to do is to come to me. Step into my yoke, and we will do this together. No wonder these words are carved into podiums and framed on the wall. And I wonder, what prevents you and I from stepping into the yoke of Jesus? Why do we insist on doing it on our own? Friends, the struggle is real. The burdens are heavy. The temptations to lighten our load, to do it my way, to take the easy road, to go with the culture are all around us. And yet, Jesus continues to invite us into a shared yoke. And I think that requires some humility on our part and the desire to grow. Stepping into the yoke of Christ doesn't mean that our problems will go away. It means we will walk side by side and learn from him In the message, Eugene Peterson paraphrases the invitation from Jesus. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Walk with me. Work with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. In other words, the yoke of Jesus is not heavy, and it will fit perfect for you. This yoke helps us to do our work in the world. Contemporary theologian Dale Bruner explains that a yoke is a work instrument and is best equated in this context with Jesus' teachings particularly with his Sermon on the Mount. Brunner goes on to say that a yoke is not a sitting instrument. Rather, it's a walking instrument. Jesus does not say, take my chair or even my mattress and learn from me. He says, take my yoke and learn from me. Which means that we learn from Jesus along the way, living in obedience to him. Matthew loves to put the emphasis on action, and hence, yoking is a verb. Yoking with God means we must lean into becoming the women, men, and children God has created us to do and be in this world. We do that by yoking ourselves with the one who is gentle and humble in heart, who created us, loves us, and equips us to do God's work in the world. Friends, are you struggling to find a work-life balance in your own life? Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Author and educator Parker Palmer reminds us that we must find balance between rest and work, so as to avoid exhaustion or burnout. Palmer describes burnout as a state of emptiness And it does not result from giving all I have. Rather, it reveals the nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place. Anyone relate? Sometimes we try to do work that is not ours to do. I know, I know, our society elevates people by their ability to work, to produce, and to prosper financially. But our vocation or our calling has everything to do with the one who created us and calls us and sends us. One of my favorite authors, Frederick Buechner, has written that God calls you to the kind of work that you need most to do and that the world most needs to have done. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet as we step into the yoke of christ we let go of the wall and trust god knowing that there is a fit between things that need doing and the person i am meant to be friends what is god calling you to do and be in this world What is God calling this congregation to do and be in and around Fort Lauderdale and beyond? And how do we discern what the work is that we are to be about in the world? I've learned the hard way that discernment requires us to slow down and listen, to pause for prayer, to silence our phones, and to silence our racing thoughts in order to hear that still, small voice. Jesus said, come to me, let go of the wall, breathe, blow bubbles if necessary, walk with me, learn from me. As I wrestled with a text this past week, I couldn't help but think about the kids I taught who are hanging on the wall for dear life. It really can be scary to let go, even for adults. We sometimes think we know what's best for us and ignore God's help. I know I'm guilty of that at times. One little girl thought she knew what was best for her and let God know her thoughts. Dear God, Thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. We pray these little prayers too, don't we? Especially when things don't go our way. But if we are honest, we long to find our true calling in every season of life. And that means discerning God's will for us and as a church. We do that by yoking with Jesus, by setting aside any distractions, by laying down our burdens as honest as we know how, and by taking a deep, life-giving breath. Friends, as you reflect on your life, or maybe even just the past week, what gives you joy, real joy? What burdens are you carrying? Sin, guilt, shame, addiction, illness, hopelessness. You fill in the blank. Are there things you have done that you should not have done? Are there things you have left undone? What help do you need from God or neighbor? And what can you do to share the love of God with others in the world? We all have burdens, and every single person we meet is carrying heavy burdens, some greater than others. Jesus said, come come to me and as disciples of christ we are called to lead others to the one who will give rest for our souls and to imitate the gentle and humble heart of our lord i'd like to close with a poem by rosemary traumer it's called watching my friend pretend her heart isn't breaking On Earth, just a teaspoon of neutron star would weigh six billion tons. Six billion tons! The equivalent weight of how much railway it would take to get a third of the way to the sun. It's the collective weight of every animal on Earth, times three. Six billion tons sounds impossible until I consider how it is to swallow grief. Just one teaspoon, and one might as well have consumed a neutron star. How dense it is. How it carries inside it the memory of collapse. How difficult it is to move then. How impossible to believe that anything could lift that weight. There are many reasons to treat each other with great tenderness. One is the sheer miracle that we are here together on a planet surrounded by dying stars. One is that we cannot see what anyone else has swallowed. Jesus said, come to me, walk with me, learn from me. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.